Welcome to Business Resilience Decoded, from Disaster Recovery Journal and its flawless business resilience. Now, here's your host, Vanessa Vaughn. Welcome to Business Resilience Decoded. I am your host, Vanessa Vaughn, the founder and resilience officer of Espalis Advisors. We have a great guest lined up for you today, speaking on the topic of how are we maturing as an industry. So let's jump right in and meet our guest, Michael Pereira, the CEO of MHA Consulting, BCM Metrics, M2H Charities, and Grind It Out Podcast. Thank you. It's great, <laughs> great to be here today. What a wonderful day this is going to be to go on a podcast with both of you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, Michael, can you tell our listeners a little bit more about you and how you got into the world of business continuity? Absolutely. You know, I'm pretty old. I've been in this business almost 30 years. I got started actually when it was in computer operations, when we still had cards. We still had cards in the computer system. So what happened is we started only working on disaster recovery. So I was the first person in our savings loan, come on, do disaster recovery. Well, as I always tell people, all we were worried about is we had the calculator running, but we could care less about all the people who had needed to operate. <laughs> so I started back in the mid-80s to late 80s in disaster recovery, and I've seen it progress now from worried about only technology to now the entire business. So what a tremendous change I've seen. Wow. So yes. you have a lot of titles. Yes, I do. <laughs> and a lot of organizations that you're connected with. So let me get your thoughts on entrepreneurship. I love entrepreneurship. I never thought I would be. Uh, my dad came from a very small beginning. He was sixth grade education and he ran gas stations. Well, he taught us to be entrepreneurs and how to sell. Well, how he ta- taught us to sell was not about selling. It was selling through relationships. And that's how my dad taught us to be really good entrepreneurs. It came down to being engaging, charismatic, and building relationships with people. And I just love entrepreneurship because guess what? I guide my own, my own direction, yeah. my own path, and my own future. Yeah, and this I love business it. is a relationship business. It is. And you know what everybody says? It's not a, hey, I'm just going to buy it off the website. It really, in the end, and I'm sure you know because you're in the same business I am, we all have the same templates. We all have pretty much the same approach. What does it all come down to? Relationships. You, yep. the relationships. Can you share with us and our listeners what your favorite business continuity story is? I'm going to say a more of a somber story, I think, for me. Um, I was blessed with the opportunity. I got called nine months after the shootings in Sandy Hook. And they called MHA to work. And it was truly one of the most difficult yet most rewarding ever uh, engagements I've ever had. To go down there to a place that had been very hurt, where I'll be honest with you, they weren't always happy to see you when you came in. Because they were very concerned that you were there to evaluate there to to identify who did what wrong but to watch the friendships and the relationships we built from where we were today to see the progress and to see people happy to see you and to see now that the the schools are ready the police are ready the fire is probably my most i always tell people uh and my brother uh jim who's a fire chief at nasa he came to work with me on that engagement and when we got done with that we've never felt so fulfilled that guess what we're doing the right thing yeah so that's my favorite business continuity story i think the only other funny story i'll tell if only people knew how many companies you work with that are on the stock exchange that you pray for? <laughs> I don't know if I can put that in there, but that is the god-awful truth. Am I right? That's, I, I don't want, who knows what's going to happen? I could probably lose my whole business on that one. <laughs> no, that makes sense. So what are your thoughts about the maturity of business continuity management? You've been in the industry for quite some time. Yes. What are your thoughts on how we are maturing or are we not? I think we are. And here's where we're really progressing is on the technology side. I'm telling you, it's amazing now we see recoveries become seamless. When I started in the 80s and 90s, it was 50-50 chance. Mm -hmm. Today's world, I can recover technology anywhere, to what level, to what point. It is still the business side that still provides a high level of complexity because I still need people. 
and everybody thinks they can work from home. Well, that's not the case. You see more and more people now, guess what? They don't have laptops. Everybody's back to desktops. They want everybody to work from one place. So technology increasing rapidly on the business side provides still a high level complexity to make it all work. What do you think is missing? Wow, I just still from, a, from making it, I mean from the business continuity mm -hmm. aspect, mm -hmm. I think it's just people having a very good, clear understanding of their business and making sure what is it that will actually work and what time frame we need it. There's so much confusion. And then it ends up coming down to, there's two areas we see as key trends why it's failing. Two areas. Number one, recovery strategies. The majority of people do not implement the strategies. They may design it, but it's not implemented or funded. So guess what? It's never there. The second piece is we're testing so poorly. We're only doing desktop. The best people we work with do real time to really prove can you recover. And there's one last term that we're using today called chaos engineering, which is actually disrupting live production to see can we really recover from it. That's the future. Disruption. Yes. Yes. Real disruption. <laughs> I love it. Is the lack of necessary budgets the primary reason why business continuity programs are not maturing as they should? Yes and no. Because I'm going to be honest with you, we have clients that have small budgets, and it's amazing what we achieve every year. And then we have other clients that have seven-figure budgets, eight-figure budgets, and guess what? We come back a couple years after we've been there, they're in the same place that we left them. It all comes down to the people. Understanding what I need to, what's my roadmap, what do I need to achieve over the next couple of years, for example, and how do I get the right people to execute? It's not more, it's not about more people, it's about the right people. Mm, the right people. The right people. <laughs> and, and I'll be very upfront with you. I, I, again, this is something I've been saying and saying about our, our industry and the certification process. Certification process does not mean I can execute. We need, it. we need to be tougher in our licensing and our certification and prove that somebody who is a CBCP or an MBCP or, or other designations, they truly are, can execute. So let's stick right there for a second. That's been a topic of conversation that's come up quite a bit, mm -hmm. and we have a lot of certifications in this space and then lots of regulations. How do we make sure that folks who are certified can execute? Well, and I think it really comes down to how well do we interview? How well do we make sure that when I talk to them, for example, one of the ways I love to interview people to come work for me, there is no face-to-face. -face. It is a stand-up, and I take you to the board, and you're at the board for an hour, and you're telling me you're running through every aspect of the continuity cycle and explaining how you would do it. Try to get that with You really begin to find out what did you do and how did you execute. We're not doing enough of that in certification. It's an online test. I'm not a good test taker, so who knows what happened to me today. We really need people to see what can you really do. Show me. Show me. Yeah. So here's another question I have for you. What about the business impact analysis? Is there a way for us to deliver the same end result with less steps, or do we need the BIA? I think we'll, we'll always need a form of the BIA. Do I think we can do it differently? Absolutely. Here's the issue. You need to have the right organizational culture to help you do a modified BIA, as we call it. Try to get your top executives in a room and just come up with what's important from a process and assistance perspective. That can be tough. Now, we've done it before, and I think could we move there to make it simpler or easier? Yes, but I still believe we still need some form or fashion. And go ask your auditors. If there's no quantitative and qualitative assessment, they may give you grief. Hmm. If you haven't done do it the traditional way. Okay. Your organization is hired to come in and work with various companies, and you guys basically provide a consulting ad advisory service, mm -hmm. among other things, right? Yes. So what words of wisdom do you have for companies who are hiring a consulting firm um, or a consultant to ensure that, that the engagement is a success and truly helps the organization to strengthen. We understand the process. Right. The way we all do it is probably different. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right. But what's your recommendation on if, if I am a customer and I'm looking to hire, what should I be looking for and how do I do that? 
Okay, so one of the first things I always tell people, of course, you know, just don't choose the name. Because I don't know how you felt being a smaller player in the field. Many times you get put aside only simply because, guess what? My board needs to see XYZ initials. So number one, first and foremost, it's not always about the name. It always comes down to the people within the firm. And making sure, first of all, do those people fit within my culture? Do I like how I interact with them? First and foremost, can I work with them? Are they enthusiastic, charismatic about what I'm asking them to do? And then secondly, you start looking at what are all those technical capabilities and have they proven success across many different industries. And, and don't be afraid when you call and ask clients. Really ha ask hard questions. Can they do the job? Did they finish on time, on budget? And more importantly, did I get what I wanted out of it? Not just in a deliverable, but in the overall culture and working with my people. Do you do any work on the government side of things? We have, we have two clients on the government side, but as an entrepreneur, I'll be honest with you, we, we limit our time working with government clients. <laughs> I was going to say, do you have the same advice? Yeah. <laughs> and again, I don't mean that I, you had to ask me that tough question, didn't you? Uh, but that has been tough. We, we, we've been blessed with two government clients that have been, they made the, they made the decision to say, we're going to be sole source. And they recognize what we bring and made it easy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Back to our regularly scheduled program. <laughs> okay. So why is collaboration important from your perspective? It is so huge today because remember, cultures are changing. We have the millennials. We have all kinds. you got to collaborate. You know, and, and what's great is I, I have a team of people that are very forward thinking. I do have some that are a little, you know, older in their thinking. I've had to revise and say, hey, when we create a plan or we talk to people, we have to collaborate and make it work for them. We're going to follow maybe the same spirit of the standards because we have to, but we've got to make it work for them. Yep. And, and, you know, no longer is it a 150-page plan, a 50-page. I really believe in the checklist manifesto. It's one of our really beliefs that we use in minimizing, again, the plan. So I always tell people, the average airplane has 2.3 million parts. The average car has 30,000 parts. But when you go look at the reference guides they need, are they 100 pages? Are they 50 pages? Go look at your car. It's two pages. Go look at the airplane if they have an emergency. It's 20 steps on a checklist or 10 steps. So why don't we all go back to that? Mm -hmm. So when we talk about collaboration, as we mentioned earlier, we have a lot of consultants in this industry how do you collaborate across various consultants or different businesses? Because I kind of feel like just because I meet you today, uh -huh. probably not the best idea for me to start doing business with you tomorrow. Right, right. <laughs> uh, and are you talking more about maybe coming to coming as a consultant to work or just... That or a strategic partner. Okay. Yeah. So I really believe, again, like you said, you just can't meet somebody and ensure that they're a strategic partner immediately. I think it does take a lot of time to evaluate them and to understand, first of all, do their personalities work with us? Do they have the same work ethic? Do they have the same ability to execute? Are they well-known in the industry and their reputation precedes them? I will be honest, at MHA, we're very finicky, and we have kept the same staff probably now for 10-plus years. And if we ensure, are those people, with, if I'm not at MHA, can the company stand without me? And that, that is how it helps you make the decision. Mm, that's a really good business practice. It's, it's not easy, as you well know. <laughs> Very good. So how do you leverage humor in real-world experiences for engagement? I think for me it's really easy. It, I'm not a comedian. but I it just tell. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? It comes out naturally when I'm engaging and being charismatic uh, with our clients. And I have now a couple other folks, and people really like that. They like you, you know, having fun or making jokes because I think it's so tense of an environment. So I think you're going to be successful. Now, here's one thing I want to tell everybody out there. Whether you're a consultant like we are or you're an actual person working in the, in the corporate world, you're still a consultant. So treat your people out there as your customers and your partners. Be charismatic. Be engaging because it's awfully boring what we do. So you mean I shouldn't stand in front of a room and read the PowerPoint? Yeah, do not read every line. 
you know, I, I don't know about you. I'm trying to get away completely from PowerPoint, and I'm trying to talk to maybe a picture, mm-hmm. and trying to change how do we talk to people. Yeah. Were you always equipped with the funny bone, or, or did you have to figure it out? So my dad, again, going back to my dad, who's such a great man, he taught us. So from we were small, we had to go and do presentations. We were speaking by the time we were in sixth grade. We had to go speak in front of his Lions Club, Toastmasters. They helped us in our community and our organization. He was always out there. You have to go speak and say thank you. And so we got accustomed to speaking to people and being funny. Mm-hmm. And always when we went to dinner, my dad always said you have to have a joke. So you couldn't come to dinner without a joke. So you had to come up with Oh, it. that is fantastic. Are you still involved with any professional speaking groups where you kind of continue to develop? I, I do try to go back and forth to Toastmasters because I really feel I still got a long ways to go because I really want to become that totally seamless speaker that you get up and they're like, how did he do that? Yeah. That's who I want to be someday. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Me yeah. Too. Where it's like, you know, I got three slides and I spoke for an hour. Yeah. Right? <laughs> there are a lot of great tools in this industry and a lot of dependencies mm-hmm. that we have on tools. What I want to know from you is if I think I need a tool, what should I be looking for? That's a great question because we see this all the time because I think it goes back to what most people write. I'm going to buy a tool that's going to fix the world. Well, I, I see this consistently with people. If you don't know the process, the methodology, and can't execute, whether it's a BIA, a plan, a strategy, an exercise, the tool is not going to be any good for you. Mm-hmm. We see this a lot of people. They think that I'm going to spend $40,000 on a tool, and guess what? My problems are fixed end to end. You know the process, know the methodology, the steps, and be able to execute without the tool, and then build the tool on what your process, methodology, steps, and actions are. Don't assume just because the tool is going to fix your problem, because you're going to end up with a $40,000 piece of software. Yes. And it's so important. We see this consistently. People, and I'm going to be honest with you, I always tell people, even though we sell tools as BCM metrics, we caution people. Do you really need a tool that's something you could do with the volume of work you have? You don't need a tool. So try to get people to think about it. Don't just go look at the bells and whistles. And don't, I'm going to say this honestly, don't let IT buy the tool for you. Why not? Because guess what IT will do? They want the bells and whistles. Mm-hmm. You need to make sure does a tool fit who I am and who the culture is and how do we execute. And the last thing I'm going to tell people too about tools, everybody says, oh, you know what? Once we get the tool in place, we'll just let the business units enter their own information. Forget about it. Don't even think about it. You will still have to clean up the data form, mm-hmm. whoever you are. Because I know you have so many responsibilities, you're very active yes. on social media. You obviously have a podcast, and I know that you are also an ebook author. Can you yes. share a little bit more about your podcast, your ebook, and then lastly, where our listeners can find you? Okay. So first of all, I'll, uh, let's start with my ebook. So one day I thought, you know what? I got all this information. Go write that, this ebook. So I did uh, 10 steps to a peak performing program, and I just took it from my history. And I thought of all the different areas, so I started with how to be a consultant to your company, all the way through to how to stand up for your program. So it came out really good, and it's only 50 pages, but it gives you a really good insight to what I saw over all of these years, how to build a well-performing program, high-performing program. And I'm hoping people take that to heart and work with it. Second part is I love Grind It Out podcasts. I started that out because, again, I really believe in life strategy and motivational speaking. So I said, one day I'm going to try it. And now I'm up to almost 40 different podcasts, and then I send out motivational mails every every Monday. So I love it. So, so you should be asking me questions. There, there you go. <laughs> I, I, I need you on my next podcast. You know, and, and I always tell people, if you want to get things done, get up at 4.30, work your butt off, and get things, make things happen. That's a true entrepreneur. Yes. That's a, you know, right. Today's, uh, I was telling today's my morning email was be unreasonable to be successful. Mm. So be unreasonable with yourself if you want to be successful in everything you do. Okay. And so where can our listeners find you? MHA is at, at MHA Consulting. And then you can find my podcast. Please come out there and listen to it and review it at Michael Herrera USA. Fantastic. 
Well, you have been a breath of fresh air, and <laughs> listeners, he really is engaging, and he really is funny. <laughs> so thank you for tuning in to Business Resilience Decoded with the Disaster Recovery Journal and Asphalus Advisors. Look out for future episodes. Business Resilience Decoded is produced and edited by John Seals. For more information, visit drj.com slash decoded and asfalasadvisors.com slash decoded. Write to us on Twitter at drdecoded. decoded.